I think there's a lot of hype that's around this new word called meta cloud or super cloud. So mm -hmm. let's just demystify for the listeners and, and talk about what this what this really is. Um, so meta cloud is, um, I, I think of it as an abstraction layer or an automation layer, really a set of cross cloud services that exist logically above the cloud providers to deal with operations, governance, security, having a single pane of glass across all the cloud providers that a client has, even perhaps above the private clouds and the, and the legacy systems that may be part of their multi-cloud deployment. Mm -hmm. So it is about, you know, just orchestrating your multi-cloud deployment and having that layer of abstraction over it. Now, what is it? So like, if when I think about the buzzword, you know, it seems very sassy, very sexy, but if you look into it, I would think it's really not that sexy. Hello and welcome to the latest episode of Heads Talk with me, Elaine Pringle-Schwitter, the podcast where we talk to C-level executives, leaders of institutions and heads of multinationals. What are the current topics they talk? We listen. Can you imagine getting into a business or a market where you actually spend a hundred billion plus on a piece of paper? Are you kidding me? It was like a frying pan of the head. I got nothing against CFOs. It was not just the job of a lifetime, it was the job of a thousand lifetimes. This is a second for Heads Talk. We have two guests today, practice and service leaders from one of the big four professional services organizations. Today's conversation will be focused on the organization's cloud strategy services and the customer's cloud transformation journey with a special interest in the life sciences and healthcare sector. We will look at morphing of such services with the advent of the latest technologies. Sit down and enjoy. It's the new series on Heads Talk. But before we get into that, here's a brief message. This episode is sponsored by Axia. Axia is the leading private cloud platform in the Alessian and Matamos ecosystem, combining intelligent solutions with security and control. Axia's clients profit from digitalization and automation of critical business processes in a cloud and hybrid architecture. 150 staff provide migration, engineering, and support services to over 200 leading organizations in 32 countries. Heads Talk Podcast with your host, Elaine Pringle Schwitter. Divya Bharti and Shanil Ibrahim are leaders in Deloitte, Canada. Divya leads the organization's cloud strategy practice and is a director with Deloitte's cloud engineering practice in Toronto. She has 20 years consulting experience in multinational organizations, working with clients across North America in several industries, including public sector, financial services, insurance, energy and utilities, retail and technology. Divya has proven expertise in cloud and IT strategy, business case development, cloud migration, operating model, cloud financial management and large and complex technology transformation initiatives. Chanel is a partner and is the National Life Sciences Healthcare Consulting Lead. He's a senior advisor in the Canadian healthcare ecosystem with strong expertise in the application of strategy, technology, innovation and evidence-based decision-making in the healthcare and life sciences sector. Chanel has supported a diverse set of stakeholders in government, public and private sector in complex business strategy transformations and large technical enable implementations. 
This includes the development of platforms to support genomics, patient support programs, direct to health consumer marketing initiatives, and enabling the modernization of organizations through cloud-based and back office transformations. He has worked with organizations internationally in Canada, US, Switzerland, and the Netherlands, and has 80 plus publications in high impact scientific journals, and has had his work covered by multiple national and international news outlets. So welcome, Chanel and Devia, to Head to Talk. Delighted to have you both here today. Glad to be here. Thanks, Elaine. Happy to be here. Excellent. Okay, let's start in the deep end. Let's talk about cloud. Um, cloud provision and advisory services have come a long way over the years. Give my listeners a summary of its evolution. Of course. So, um, Elaine, these are these are two two things in this. Um, one is cloud provision, and one is advisory services. I'll start with cloud provision. So cloud provision basically means spinning up infrastructure in the cloud for use by the organizations, right? So initially it started with like manual spinning up in, of infrastructure wherein, where uh, you know, we used to use either command line interfaces or the cloud service providers, they came up with uh, user interfaces and we used that, but we went in there and did manual provision of storage, of compute, of resources and services that we needed in the cloud. And over the years, this has transitioned from a manual provision to an automated provisioning. And um, in the current state, we use infrastructure as code. We use ARM templates. So these are basically code that we could just you know, run, and the code will go ahead and provision services, provision storage, provision compute for us in the cloud. So mm -hmm. that's the transition from manual to automated cloud provision. That's provisioning. Now, talking about advisory services, you know. This world of cloud advisory services has really significantly evolved from the time cloud computing was first introduced as a concept in the early 2000s. Up to that time, all the organizations had their workloads in data centers, which were either owned by the organizations themselves mm -hmm. or by co-location providers, right? And you know, be it, a, be it a retailer, be it a bank, be it a hospital, all the organizations had their workloads in their own data centers. But with the advent of cloud, it became very evident very quickly that organizations no longer needed to build and maintain these costly data centers. They could just go ahead and rent computing power, rent storage from these cloud service providers who can go ahead and build and maintain and do you know, all the heavy lifting of doing the, the work with the data centers. Mm -hmm. And the organizations could rather focus on their core business. This concept was quite well accepted by organizations. And with this mindset becoming prevalent, what we've seen in the market is that a lot of clients started exiting their data centers and migrating their workloads to cloud. And then we as consulting organizations or advisors began to offer services to help these businesses migrate their um, infrastructure uh, the, uh, to, from their on-premise to the, to the cloud, mm -hmm. you know, help them with migration planning, ongoing management and optimization of cloud resources and such. However, now that a lot of companies have been moving their stuff from on-premise to the cloud, now the, the current situation in the recent years, what has happened is that most clients have a hybrid multi-cloud environment where they have something on-premise, they have something in the cloud, they have something across different types of clouds. So. Now the advisory services have evolved into providing multi-cloud support to the clients, into providing hybrid cloud integration services so they can integrate their on-premise infrastructure with different types of cloud providers that they have. Mm -hmm. And 
last but not the least, a very important cost optimization, because, you know, they have, diff uh, clients have different types of clouds where they have put their workloads into, and uh, they need to think about how do they keep on continually optimizing their cloud resources so that they can make the best use of their cloud investments. Okay. One thing that I just do want to interject uh, as well, if I may, uh, Divya, I loved how you framed that. And uh, I would love to make that real for the listeners. You know, with a fascinating case study of a healthcare organization in Israel who, who did this really well. Um, so the organization is Mohadet that moved to the cloud recently. And for some context, they're a healthcare organization that provides medical services for uh, 1.2 million patients in Israel. And they had a truckload of data. And if patients are aware uh, or people are aware of uh, Israel's healthcare system, you'll know that it's a very integrated patient record with lots and lots of data. And all of that data was stored in Teradata, which is the data warehouse that's on premises. It was mm -hmm. expensive. It was slow. It was hard to maintain. And what Mohaded was struggling with was finding a solution that would allow it to access and analyze the data faster, more securely, and more cost-effectively. So that's when Mohaded decided to work with Google Cloud to migrate its data from Teradata to BigQuery, which is a serverless, scalable, and fully managed cloud data warehouse. And in less than six months, Elaine, after starting the migration, Mohaded was able to reduce his data warehouse cost by 60%. So that's several, you know, several hundreds of millions of dollars while improving its query performance by 10 times and increasing its data security. So all of that is great, but everyone should be asking, well, what were, what were the real business outcomes? Well, Mohadet is now able to use his data to gain insights into patients' health outcomes much faster. They've optimized their medical services. They've enhanced their customer experience, and they've also been able to launch new products. So a good example of that is they developed an app that allows this patient to book appointments, view their medical records, and communicate with doctors online, all mm -hmm. on cloud as well, which is a distant dream for us in Canada right now. So that's just you know one of many examples how moving to the cloud can help organizations transform their business as well. I love that. I love that. Thanks, um, Divya, for that really comprehensive sort of introduction to the evolution of cloud and, and Chanel with that um, fantastic case study, which kind of sort of put some flesh onto the, the bones of uh, of the evolution of cloud. OK, um, I've seen quite a few individuals posting about the, the Google Cloud Next event on LinkedIn. Many seem quite exhilarated by the outcome. Um, would you like to tell my listeners about this? You know, Deloitte's role, what was achieved and, and your main takeaways from, from this event? Yeah, Elaine, I had the pleasure of attending the Google Cloud uh, Next conference in person this year in San Francisco. Um, it was like, I think, three years of virtual attending the conference and this time it was in person, so it was great. Mm -hmm. And I'm happy to share with your listeners some exciting news coming out of the, the conference as well. Um, Deloitte was actually recognized with four accolades at the uh, Google Cloud's Partner of the Year Awards. Mm -hmm. uh, we are recognized as the Global Public Sector Partner of the Year, mm -hmm. the North American Services Partner of the Year, the mm -hmm. Global Security Specialization Partner of the Year, and uh, last but not the least, Google Cloud's latest award, the Generative AI Partner of the Year Award as well. So that was pretty exciting and, you know, most definitely highlights our glo global partnership mm. success right mm. there. Well, that's an achievement. Yep. Yeah. And one thing, uh, you know, just on the generative AI um, uh, portion as well, um, we have a pretty exciting partnership between Deloitte and Google Cloud and generative AI. And 
of course, you know, for for the folks, generative mm-hmm. AI or late people call it ChatGPT, which is definitely the hottest thing in, in technology today, which can create new content, whether it's text, images, audio, or video within seconds. And as part of that major expansion mm-hmm. that we have right now with Google that uh, Divya touched on, we're going to be implementers that bring Google's Cloud's advanced generative AI capabilities to enterprises in every industry. And as part of this, we launched globally a new generative AI practice that's going to build and scale solutions to help the growing demand uh, for Google's cloud generative AI capabilities. And we can help solve some profound business challenges, right? Like simplifying claim submissions for medical insurance or Mm -hmm. building a personalized assistant for patients or accelerating drug discovery by finding uh, the mm-hmm. appropriate drug candidates for specific patients. So all very exciting stuff. And we're thrilled to, you know, do this in alliance with Google as well. Mm-hmm. Excellent. Thanks for that, guys. Um, th- this this next question, um, I really like, as I've received different answers, depending on the guest relationship with um, cloud computing. So I'll ask you, if I say next generation cloud, what does that mean to you, your organization and your clients? That's a great question, Elena. And maybe what I could first start with before we get into that next generation cloud, let's say the technical components, I want to bring this back to, you know, what do CEOs really kind of care about? And I'm going to use healthcare as an example. That's my bread and butter. Mm -hmm. And the primary thing CEOs care about in healthcare is care accessibilities. So they're concerned about how to provide high quality, affordable, and convenient care to their patients. And what they're doing is exploring new ways of delivering care, such as telehealth or home-based care or digital platforms that can improve access, improve outcomes, and improve Mm -hmm. satisfaction for their patients. So that's like the big aspiration for CEOs. Mm -hmm. So how does cloud really kind of come into play to achieve those aspirations? Well, cloud computing can enable telehealth by accelerating and streamlining the delivery of healthcare services and information through those digital platforms that I just mentioned, whether mm-hmm. it's video calls, mobile apps, or wearable devices, right? And telehealth can also improve access to care for patients who live in remote areas where they have mobility issues or they have significant barriers to visiting a healthcare facility. And we saw that increased use, especially during the pandemic, which inherently allowed us to reduce the risk of exposure uh, to infectious diseases. So that's just one example. I just wanted to provide a clear business type of justifications of why and how cloud can provide that value. But Divya, mm-hmm. you're closer to the technology on this. So it'd be great for you to explain and provide a breakdown. Absolutely. And um, Elena, I really love how you phrase that question. You know, this next gen cloud, really, this means, this can mean many things, mm-hmm. different th- things to different people, right? Mm-hmm. So um, I'd like to break this down. And, and overall, to me, what next gen cloud means is really getting the maximum benefit from cloud adoption and investments in cloud technology. Mm-hmm. It's about digital transformation, right? Now, breaking it down in terms of what would be a purely tech perspective versus you know, a user, a layman perspective versus what I think it means from a consulting organization standpoint, I'd like to answer this in like you know three, three different perspectives. So from a purely technology perspective, I'd say, Nextgen Cloud is about greater emphasis on embedded security to help clients protect their data and applications from cyber threat. It's about leveraging modern engineering DevOps capabilities for increased automation, leveraging the innovative services like AI and ML and data analytics for better insights and better decision-making, 
and um, creating more customized experienced uh, experiences for the customers. So that's like from a tech perspective, mm-hmm. what I, I see a next gen cloud is. Now moving on to uh, what it is from a consulting organization perspective, I'd say it is really characterized by focusing on delivering innovative services that help our clients drive their digital transformations. Cloud service delivery, you know, as we've seen, it has changed uh, from my migration of workloads to cloud to now it is, it's like most of the workloads are in the cloud for many of the clients, maybe not, not across all the geographies or not globally, but there, there are some advanced geographies where, you know, much of the data has been moved to the cloud. So now it is more about, you know, greenfield development is already happening in cloud. And so consultants are now coming up with offering advisory and implementation services that include technologies such as serverless computing, containers, microservices, edge computing, and all that. So so that's how it has changed in terms of what consulting organizations are doing. And then going forward, you know, it's going to be more and more specific to use cases that clients want to uh, get done in the cloud. For example, uh, you know, clients these days are looking at their call centers, moving those to cloud and embedding AI, embedding chatbots into them. So we it's called the contact center AI. Or they're looking at, you know, with the plethora of uh, documentation or even healthcare records, as Shani was talking about, they need to digitize their uh, their records and their documents, but mm-hmm. not just digitize, also put some layer of artificial intelligence so they can then search and on this knowledge base of the documents that they have digitized. Mm-hmm. So these types of use cases will become more and more prevalent and will define the next gen cloud from a consulting organization's perspective. Mm-hmm. And yes. lastly, from a user perspective or a layman perspective, I'd say that you know, next-gen cloud would really mean that cloud will become as ubiquitous as the internet. You know, it's going to be the connective tissue with artificial intelligence embedded across everything, smart devices, smart cars, in-house robots, you name it. And the way I like to say it is cloud will be everywhere, yet there'll be no mention of cloud. Hmm. Yes, it'd be part and parcel of everything, isn't it? It's sort of this underlying layer of cloud. Okay, thank you for that. Both again, once again, fantastic um, detailed answers. I think my listeners were very pleased with the content here. Um, Let's move on. Let's look at another hot topic um, of the day, Um, sustainability. But keeping with the theme of cloud computing, I'd like to know what is your understanding of sustainable cloud storage and operation? Interestingly, what are the barriers to this and how is that overcome by big tech organizations and cloud service providers? Sure. So um, in in terms of what it really means in the context of cloud, I'd say sustainable cloud storage and operations means that we use the cloud infrastructure and services in a way that minimizes their impact on the environment and maximizes their efficiency. So this, this could be achieved via a variety of measures like, you know, using renewable sources of energy, using energy efficient hardware, et cetera. Now, your next question was, about what are the barriers mm-hmm. to doing this? So I see like I see two very important barriers that I see to sustainable cloud storage and operations are the first one being energy consumption. Cloud data centers consume a significant amount of energy, which contributes to greenhouse gas emissions, climate change, et cetera, especially if the data centers are rely- relying on non-renewable energy sources. Mm-hmm. So energy consumption is really a, a huge barrier. And then the second one I'd say is e-waste. 
that's because, you know, there's such a large amount of hardware that's being used in these data centers. And once that hardware becomes obsolete or no longer needed, this can have um, huge negative environment impacts if it is not properly disposed or not properly recycled. So I see these two are like the biggest barriers for mm -hmm. um, obtaining sustainability as it relates to cloud storage and compute and, and operations. Mm -hmm. And I believe your third question was regarding how yes. can how can this be overcome, right? Yeah, so um, th there are a few things that can be done here. So the first one being definitely a shift to renewable energy sources such as solar, wind, and hydropower to power these huge data centers that can significantly reduce the carbon foot footprint and energy consumption. Mm -hmm. And, you know, big tech organizations, cloud service providers are actually doing, uh, moving in that direction. So if I talk about uh, Google, for example, Google was the first major company to achieve carbon neutrality in, in as, um, you know, as long as 2007, like it, ha it has been there for quite some years now. Mm -hmm. But when I say carbon neutrality, it means that they are able to, you know, purchase the same quantity of carbon offsets so they can offset their, their consumption. It doesn't mean that they're consuming all non-renewable sources. Mm -hmm. However, they have declared, I, I think they declared this in 2021 conference that they're going to be uh, completely car running on completely carbon-free energy 24-7 uh, by 2030, which means that all of Google's data centers and all of Google, even office campuses, every grid that they operate basically is going to be run on renewable sources like wind, like solar, et cetera. So, mm -hmm. you know, these big tech organizations are, are really doing um, a, a lot in this direction. Now, some other measures that that could be done to um, achieve sustainability in this uh, in this area is um, virtualization. So, you know, that can help if you optimize your service server utilization. You could actually reduce the number of physical servers required, which helps with energy consumption and carbon emissions. So that's that's a very important thing. And and again, you know, cloud service providers all the time are doing that. Mm -hmm. So, so that sorry, carry on. I'm sorry to interrupt. Carry on. Yeah, and, and another very important thing that I've seen cloud service providers doing um, in, in the recent years is that they are choosing to locate their data centers in areas where they have access to renewable energy sources, where they have, uh, you, you know, they can have cooler climates, et cetera, because mm -hmm. all these CSPs are, um, they are creating more and more data centers, right? So they're looking for what, what are the good areas or good regions where they can locate some of their mm -hmm. data centers. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. I think those are some of the measures. Ellen, thought you had a question. Okay. Yeah. Um. There, there was a press release, August the 24th, 2023. This is still relating to the, the, the sustainability question. Deloitte announced a new initiative with Google Cloud to accelerate the adoption of sustainable solutions. Would you like to tell me, my listeners, a little bit about this? So Deloitte has been, uh, you know, we have declared Google Car Cloud as our partner when it comes to sustainability. And there are a few solutions like electrified fleet, electrified grid, which we are working very closely with, with Google Cloud on in terms of developing those solutions uh, in the sustainability realm for our clients. Mm -hmm. Okay, I, I will put a link um, in your episode notes to that um, press um, release so that the listeners can have a a read, have a gander at it. Okay, um, let's end this episode of Ed's Talk with this intriguing question. Um, if you both can give me some thought, if you both can actually give some thought to this, um, apart from generative AI and climate change, 
What else do you see as the hottest trend in cloud computing? Um, Divya, would you like to start? Sure. Um, I think there's a lot of hype that surrounds this new word called meta cloud or super cloud. That's a buzzword, right? So mm -hmm. let's just demystify for the listeners and, and talk about what this what this really is. Um, so meta cloud is, um, I, I think of it as an abstraction layer or an automation layer, really a set of cross-cloud services that exist logically above the cloud providers to deal with operations, governance, security, having a single pane of glass across all the cloud providers that a client has, even perhaps above the private clouds and the, and the legacy systems that may be part of their multi-cloud deployment. Mm -hmm. So it is about, you know, just orchestrating your multi-cloud deployment and having that layer of abstraction over it. Now, what is it? So like, if when I think about the buzzword, you know, it seems very sassy, very sexy, but if you look into it, I would think it's really not that sexy. It's about, you know, creating that single pane of glass. <laughs> and uh, let, let's talk about what's in there in the meta cloud. So, you know, there are things like operations layer to, to do storage and compute operations, specific types of operations like security operations, databases, integration operations, or orchestration around containers, uh, management of containers across the multiple clouds. So the main theme of this is, is really that there should be one way to deal with the operations, the governance, et cetera, across all these different clouds. Mm -hmm. And, you know, if you look at the, the tools, there could be as many as, you know, four, four to six different types of tools that are required to actually work and play very well together and integrate together to be able to create this layer of uh, automation and abstraction on top of the multi-cloud landscape that the clients have. Hmm. And, and Chenille, how about you? What do you see as the hottest trend? You had some time to think about it. Divya was straight off, so you've got some time to think about it. Come on, what's your answer? So I'm going to throw another buzzword for you. It's uh, quantum computing. And you're going to hear this much more with the growth of generative AI. And, you know, what quantum does, it provides more powerful or more efficient compute than traditional computers uh, in analyzing data, right? So in some cases, nearly 10 times faster. So mm -hmm. now in healthcare specifically, there are a tremendous amount of applications where we can end up using uh, quantum computing, whether it's improving the diagnosis and treatment disease, using quantum machine learning or analyzing the genomic data sets and electronic health records much, much faster to deter, de to detect uh, adverse events like infections in hospitals much, much faster. And one really good example of this uh, is Cleveland Clinic, where they were the first organization to have a full stack on-premises quantum computer in the world. This is across all the different industries. And their whole vision was to use quantum to help transform medicine, train the workforce of the future, and, and essentially grow the economy as well. And as a Canadian, I'm, I'm very excited as Canada has actually taken a prominent role in quantum as it's in the top two or three per capita in spending on quantum computing research. And we see this as a huge market. Uh, I think it's approximately like $140 billion by 2045 and creating much, much more jobs. Mm -hmm. And as Deloitte, we have also made a lot of big bets in, in quantum, and we acquired a company called SFL Scientific uh, back in October to augment and bolster that quantum modeling and pipeline development, specifically in life sciences. 
And what it has allowed us to do is we're able to deploy these drug discovery pipelines using quantum uh, modeling. Mm-hmm. And we're doing that right now with life sciences clients um, across the world as well. So really kind of coming back to my point where I said 10 times faster than traditional computers. Well, if these drug discovery pipelines that were kind of buildings uh, takes, you know, they take approximately six weeks to crunch that data. Well, that could be done within a couple of days. So what that means, you know, you know, for, for your listeners is we could be finding drug candidates months and months faster when you look at this in scale. So all of this to say, don't sleep on quantum. It's not something of the distant future. It's not something that's tucked away in labs. It's here, it's now. And I really feel it's the hottest trend that's happening with uh, cloud computing. Divya Bharti and Shanil Ibrahim, a very informative and a thoughtful conversation today on Headstorm. Many thanks for your time and insights. Thanks, Lynn. Yeah, it was a pleasure for us to be here. Thanks for joining me today on this episode of Heads Talk. Don't forget to subscribe to the show via my website, elainepringle.com forward slash Heads Talk, wherever you get your podcasts. Finally, I'd like to thank our sponsors, guests, and you for helping to make the show possible. Please join me next time where I'll be featuring more executives, C-suite leaders, and heads of multinationals. Heads Talk podcast with your host, Elaine Pringle-Schwitter.